This is the most important time in this service right now because we're opening the eternal word of God. We're looking to John chapter 8 today. Be looking at this chapter, but we're going to focus in on verses 31 through 36. Please join us on Wednesday evening as we're in the gospel of John. It's a marvelous gospel. And we're going to go just passage by passage and paragraph by paragraph and chapter by chapter as we discover the word of God in the gospel of John. Here, and we will get to the the eighth chapter of John and we'll go through that slowly and teach that. But today the message that the Lord brought upon me and this, this weighed heavily upon me and it will probably come forth in a little bit more of a sober manner today, but that's all right. That's the way that it was brought to me. But I want to talk about true freedom today. True freedom. And we read in John eight thirty one, beginning, Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. In other words, if you do that, you're really my disciples. This is what it really means to be my disciples. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And they answered him, We are Abraham's descendants and have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you will, you will be made free? Jesus answered them most assuredly, That's very strong. When you hear that, that means this is like it is. Most assuredly, I say to you that whoever commits sin is a slave to sin. A slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Therefore, if the son makes you free, you are free indeed. And we want to be free indeed. We just ask that the Lord would bless his eternal, unchanging word to our hearts this morning. True freedom. True freedom. Today we celebrate the independence of our nation. The 4th of July, is it really represents the birth of this nation, the United States of America. Where we got our independence from the British Empire. And it was on July 4th, 1776, that they signed this Declaration of Independence. The 13 colonies of America declared their independence from the British Empire, that we are states, those 13 states, we are states, and we are uh, a nation of states, and we are free from the rule of the British Empire. The The Revolutionary War played out for some time after that. But today, we stand here as all of us as Americans, and we celebrate 244 years that the United States of America has stood in God's will, in God's grace and mercy, and America has been a bastion of freedom for all these 244 years. And I know there's many haters, but America has done much good in the world. We should pray for our nation. And I want to pray for our nation. I put this flag up out here and we put the flags out there. I love that flag. And, and I get emotional when we, when we sing God bless America. I I really feel that very deeply in my heart. There's no perfect nation, 
But I'm going to tell you, I'll put this nation up against any nation that has ever existed. We need to pray for our nation. Our nation is going in the wrong direction, but there's still many godly people in, in the nation. And we'll, we'll touch on some of these things. But our nation is rapidly changing. Our nation is moving, speeding very quickly, actually, in my opinion, toward a secular nation. And that, that's not our calling, by the way. That hasn't been our calling. There's been a very special calling on this nation for some reason in the providence of God. But now we're moving away from those foundational principles. I mean, the whole judicial system is rooted in the law of Moses. But we're moving toward a secular nation. And not only that, I would say this, but we're moving toward a godless nation, a very ungodly nation. There are many of our leaders now are antichrist. I don't say that in hatefulness or judgmentalness. I say that in truth. They're doing things that are antichrist. They're passing laws that are antichrist. They're doing things that will not help us spiritually. I predict that there's going to be a rise of persecution for the true church. I don't want you to be afraid, but I do want you to get ready. We've got to get ready if we're going to be a church, the true church of Jesus Christ in America today. We've watched our, some of our religious freedoms, even though we do have religious freedom, we, can, we have freedom today to do this. No one's stopping us from doing this, praise the Lord. But where we're losing our freedoms is there's a mindset in the nation that, oh, sure, you have religious freedom, but as soon as you take it in to the secular world, oh, then, then that's where it's curtailed. You can't live your faith out in a bold way in, a, in the secular arena is where we're losing that. Now, I'll show you what I mean by that. This was a headline Friday. Not Friday, 1776. This past Friday, right? This, was, this is Friday's, one of the headlines in one of the news articles. The headline reads, Supreme Court rejects the appeal by a Christian grandmother, florist. She was fined for refusing to, uh, for refusing to make a floral arrangement for same-sex marriage. This was Friday. I'm talking about Christianity in America. I'm talking about you and I having the ability to live out our convictions on your job and where, wherever we go. The article reads, just a paragraph, please be patient. The U.S. Supreme Court has rejected the appeal of a Christian florist, a little grandmother, from Washington State for refusing to make a floral arrangement for a same-sex wedding because she felt it went against her deeply held religious belief about marriage. I'll read on. In doing so, the Washington Supreme Court ruling against the Christian florist remains intact. Conservative justices Clarence Thomas, Samuel Alito, and Neil Gorsuch each said the court should have taken the case. Though the case dates back to 2013, Religious Liberty Legal Organization, the Alliance Defense for Freedom, said the fight to defend, uh, her, her name is Borel Stoltzman, I don't think I said the first name right. She's the owner of Arlene's Flowers and Gifts in Richmond, Washington. Uh, for standing for her beliefs, this case, she, they say, is not over. Ms. Stoltzman kindly served this gay couple for years. I mean, did business with this couple for years and years and had no problem with selling whatever flowers they want. What she didn't want to do is participate in the wedding because that went against her deeply 
held religious beliefs that marriage is sacred. And I end with this. She was sued and persecuted for acting on her deeply held religious beliefs. End quote. That's Friday. I'm just saying to us, we don't have to be afraid. We can be bold in our God, but we must be ready for what Christianity, true Christianity, looks like as we move forward in our nation. What's happening? There's now a generation of American young men and women that now have grown up who do not know the Lord. They do not know the word of God, and they really do not know or comprehend the true basis of the foundation of our religious freedom or our freedoms in America. That's, that's given platform to the, to the most powerful nation the world has ever known. These people, these young people have been raised literally with almost a complete secular worldview. I put the blame, and I hope this doesn't sound judgmental. I'm not trying to be judgmental, but I'm telling you the truth. I hold the blame at the feet of mothers and fathers in the way they have not raised their family the way they should. They did not have time for God. These kids were raised without the Bible. These kids were raised without the the vital necessity of church every Sunday. These young people have been raised with their families, hanging out at the lake on their boat. They've been uh, watching hours of godless TV, playing video games to wee hours of the night, engrossed in every kind of sport, yet no time for spiritual things. And now these young people are grown and now they're governors and they're presidents and now they're, they're judges and now they control the direction of the nation. But I would say to all parents, I'd say to myself as a parent and a grandparent, and I would say to you and anyone that ever watched this, there is a serious warning in the word of God to those parents or anyone who will stumble the young. And I'll just read it to you. Jesus' words here. He said, whosoever causes one of these little ones to stumble, who believes in me, to sin, it would be better for him if a millstone hung around his neck and he was drowned in the depths of the sea. Woe to the world because of offenses. For offenses must come, but woe to the one whom the offenses come through. And in that text, he said, this is such a serious matter. This is such a serious matter. You cut your hand off if it stumbles. You could pluck your eyes out. It's that, it's that, that much effort needs to come into our lives about raising our children without stumbling them into sin and in the darkness. The late pastor Adrian Rogers said this. He said, if Satan can't make us bad, he'll just make us busy. Here's what he said, and I quote, busy is a tool of Satan which he uses to get us off track and to steal our time. Sometimes it does not take blatant sin. Notice, sometimes it does not take blatant sin to rob us of what God wants to do in our lives. Sometimes we miss it because we fill our lives with busyness. I recently watched a video this week, actually, of some millennials, if you know what that is, millennials, what those creatures are. Millennials, I'm kidding. Thank God there's many young people that are serving the Lord. Amen? So we take this in context and in balance. But I'm telling you about where our nation is and where we're leaning and where we're headed. 
and we need to pray. But I watched a video of millennials that were college students on campus that were being interviewed. And the, the question that was asked them was very simple. First of all, are you proud to be an American? And are you proud of America? And of course, each of them blatantly and unequivocally said, no, 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 we're not proud to be Americans and we're not proud of America. And as I listened to them, they all sound like little parrots, you know, probably never read a serious history book in their lives. They all sound like parrots that have sat under some professor that has planted these thoughts very powerfully in their minds. And I do have to say, I do have to say, hats off, not hats off, but just the truth of the matter is the, the liberal colleges and the liberal media have done an incredible job in brainwashing an entire generation of young people. It looked like as I watched the interview, these young people had been hardened in their deception. You know, when pre pre presented with all the facts and the real facts, it's almost like they're programmed to reject the facts of what really is happening. Many of these young people are convinced that Marxism and socialism is to be desired above democracy and capitalism. It's really incredible. But in the interviews, it concluded they were saying how much they disliked America, but there was two other questions that were asked by the interviewer. And one was, did you feel this way about America before you came to this college campus? And every single one of them were honest. They said, no, we didn't feel this way until we came here. The second question was this, can you name another country that's better than America? And every single one of these little parrots just stood there in silence because they had no answers. They're just parroting. Here's what Judges says. I'll get back to John, but Judges says this. I want you to listen. So the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua, who had seen the great works that the Lord had done for Israel. Now Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died. He was 110 years old. And they buried him within the borders of his inheritance, etc. Verse 10 of Joshua 2.10, or Judges 2.10. When all that generation had been gathered to their fathers, another generation arose. In other words, there was a generation that walked with God. They heard from God. They conquered for God. They served God's will in their generation. They took the promised land. They fought the battles. They knew God personally, intimately. Joshua was told to walk in the word of God and to, to let it be in his heart and his mouth, day and night, meditating on it. But then another generation arose here after those days of those godly men. And it says, after them who did not know the Lord, nor the works which he had done for Israel. I mean, they heard about it, but they didn't know it. They didn't know God like that previous generation knew God. Then the children of Israel, notice, then the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served the Baals. I think, in a sense, this kind of describes the track and what the spiritual condition of our own nation is today. There's a generation who's risen that doesn't know the Lord and what's happened to them embracing the most grossest idolatry, and we're seeing that play out before us. Typically, nations last about 200 years. 
typically nations, as you look through the history of the nations of the world, nations last about 200 years. And then after about 200 years, they start to wane in power. They start to wane in, in influence. Uh, many of those nations are not conquered of the outside, though some are. Some just rot from the inside because the, the principles they start embracing just destroy family and destroy the nation. That's what we're seeing happen. Today, we celebrate 244 years. And those of you in this room that love the Lord... And love the word of God and you see what's going on and you're, you're saddened by what you see taking place in our nation. And I would say we certainly need to pray and be a positive influence in our nation. I think unless things change in America, we possibly could probably just take the same path Europe has taken. If you go to Europe, most of those churches are closed or, or the churches have been sold and are bars now or, or clothing stores because the heart of the people don't want to come to the place of worship anymore. Why we would sell our birthright in this nation so cheaply is horrifying, puzzling to me. It's just very puzzling. There are three books that I would just challenge, of course, the word of God, but there are three books I would say, if you want to educate yourself, at least a little bit on some of the stuff that's going on, there's three books that I would suggest, and I have read two of them and reading the third one, and one is called America's Expiration Date. America's Expiration Date by Cal Thomas. The second is the book called The Rage Against God by a gentleman named Peter Hitchens. His brother was the famous atheist Christopher Hitchens. And in that book, he, he, talks, he, he shows how Christianity has been stripped from Britain. And it'll parallel with what's happening here. And then the third book I'm reading right now, by, uh, it's a masterful book. It's a masterful book. It's called The Magna Carta of Humanity. It's by Oz Guinness, a British man. And he talks about the foundation of American freedom and etc. I won't go there, but those are books I would recommend. The passage I've chosen today is John 8. Jesus is having a debate, a dialogue with these religious leaders. The, the, the subject is really about his personal witness. They're saying, you're witnessing that, that, you, that you're the son of God and yet that God is your father. But it really comes down to freedom. The argument is about freedom. What is true freedom? This chapter starts with these religious leaders bringing this woman caught in the act of adultery. And she probably was because Jesus didn't deny it. He talked with her. And as, as Jesus says these words, he that is without sin, cast the first, he, he's without sin among you, cast the first stone. The Bible says from the greatest to the least, from the oldest to the youngest, they begin to slip away. And then there's this woman and she's standing there in front of Jesus. And Jesus says to her these words, woman, where are your accusers? Has no one condemned you? And she replies and says, no one, Lord. And he says, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. And then he makes this incredible self-declaration. And he says this in verse 12. Then Jesus spoke to them again saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. The NIV says this way, go and leave your life of sin. And I think it's, it's, a, 
It's a promise of hope as much as, as it is a command. I think he's saying that you, you can leave your life. Of, if you will follow me, you're going to walk out of this darkness and you're going to walk into the life that I want you to have in my mercy, my grace, and my forgiveness. My personal belief is that woman took Jesus up and followed him the rest of her life and we'll see her in heaven. She's going to join us there. What an amazing statement. The verses that follow, that leads into what I read in our, in our beginning. The verse that follows is about the, it's a story of Jesus' debate with these religious leaders about the true nature of what freedom really is. And as you read it, and it's a long chapter, so I won't read all, all of it, but I want to tell you, if you would read the eighth chapter, what you'll find out is that the religious leaders of Jesus' day were, cons- were confused. You say, what were they confused over? They were confused over what the true nature of freedom really is, what true freedom really is. And I found that's true today, is it not? There's people that are confused about what freedom really is in our modern day. Some of the false ideas about freedom are this. Some people, like the religious leaders, are simply blind to their bondage. You know, you know that some people are bound. They don't know they're bound. They're just blind to their bondage. They've gotten so used to bondage, bondage is a way of life for them. In fact, they're more comfortable with bondage than they are freedom. I've met people that way. They're terrified to, to enter into a new life because they've gotten so used to bondage. It's a way of life for them. It's an ingrained lifestyle. It's where their comfort is. These religious leaders said, we've, in, in the, in the, in the uh, argument, we've never been in bondage to anyone. And that's laughable because they've very rarely been out of bondage. The history of the Jewish nation, I would remind them of Egypt's bondage and Assyria's bondage and Babylon's bondage and Persia's bondage and Greece's bondage. And now they're under the jackbooted heel of Roman, of Roman bondage. They've very rarely been out of bondage. The fact is some people are blind to their bondage. And then others reject freedom. You say, what do you mean? These religious leaders had the one, the very son of the living God standing before them, the very one who's going to ride in on a white steed and liberate the people of God. And he's standing there as the liberator and they rejected him in the most blasphemous terms. In fact, they called him a Samaritan and said, you have a demon. These leaders thought that they could experience freedom without Christ. And that is delusional. Many today think they can be free without a relationship with Jesus Christ. That, my friend, is delusional. True freedom comes when we enter relationship with Christ. Can you hear an amen? And then many simply don't know the pathway of freedom. They don't know how to be free. They're confused about freedom. They say, I've gone to church and I didn't get free there, but church will not set you free. No preacher will set you free. No system will set you free. No formula will set you free. But there is a man that can set you free. His name is Jesus, one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ, Jesus. His name shall be called Jesus and he shall liberate his people from their sin. 
They were confused. They didn't know. See, Jesus is talking about spiritual freedom, and the religious leaders are talking about physical, ethnic, and national freedom. But I'm going to tell you, the freedom that Jesus offers us is freedom from the, from the power and the bondage of sin and eternal death. So there's a few things that I want to say about this, and our time is almost gone but hey don't look at the clock remember Lot's wife <laughs> I would say this few thoughts to just to just show you what true freedom is a few thoughts first I would say this freedom only belongs to the redeemed true freedom only belongs to the redeemed whom the son makes free is free indeed. This is a very exclusive freedom. This is a very unique freedom. This is a very costly freedom. Why is it exclusive? Because you shall know the truth. You know, there's all kinds of truth in the world. There's things that are true, but we're not talking about just anything that's true. Two plus two is four. That's true, but that's not saving truth. That's not the truth that, is, that, we're, that Jesus is talking about here. He's not talking about all, you shall know the truth. What it, it's a saving truth that is rooted in his unique personhood. This truth is unique. This truth, this is, I say often, this is the most important time in this service. Why do I say that? Because this is an exclusive book. This is on the top of everything right here. Because it, it is a book of redemption. It's not a book about science. It's not a book about mathematics. It's a very exclusive book that tells us how we can know God and how we can be free and how we can have salvation in and through Jesus Christ. And that's just it. It is truth. It is freedom found in a very unique person. And this person is the very son of God in verse 18, verse 13 through 20. And I won't read that, but they're saying, you know, Jesus said, I work when I see my father work and I do his work and I'm here to do his will. And they said, who is your father? He said, you don't know who my father is, but I know my father. And so this truth is for the redeemed. Amen. Amen. And I would also say this, and this is quickly. True freedom is restrained and not unrestrained. See, in our world, see, Jesus said this, most assuredly, he who commits sin is a slave to sin. Now, in our world, people say that freedom is to do whatever I want to do, is to live an unrestrained life. That's real freedom, to be able to do what I want to do, to, to fulfill every desire that I want to fulfill, to, do, to just throw caution to the wind, whatever my heart wants to do, whatever desire, no matter what it is, Freedom is just throwing caution to the wind. But see, dear saints, that's not freedom. That's bondage. Because true freedom is restrained. And it's not unrestrained. What, what do I mean by that? I just simply mean that when, the, when Jesus comes into our lives, he conquers the power of sin. And he brings Holy Spirit control into our lives. And as we walk with the Lord, that becomes greater and greater. I don't, you know, I'm not saying that someone who is saved yesterday is going to have the full maturity of self-control and all these things that a mature believer that's been walking with the Lord. But I know this, the Holy Spirit comes to bring order into our lives. And when I think about this, I think about 
when Jesus and his disciples' boat floated up on the shore of the Gadarene side, and a demon-possessed man comes out, and he, they can't restrain him with chains. He cries out at night. People can't even pass that way anymore. Here's a man completely given over to demon powers and completely unrestrained. His life is, he's not, his will is broken. He can't even control his life anymore. And if you read the story and get down below and get the inference of the Greek, Jesus was saying to him, come out of him. Come out of him, you demon spirits. Come out of him. You, who are you? We're legion. Come out of him. In other words, there's more going, there's a battle. It's a spiritual battle going on. Finally, those demons come out. And, you know, of course, Jesus cast the demons and the pigs. They ran. When the people from the town came, here's what it says. And then they came to Jesus, and they saw the one who had been demon-possessed, who had the legion, sitting, clothed, and in his right mind. That's what Jesus does. See, true freedom is about living a life of restraint in the Holy Spirit, the ability to control your temper. How I many of you have lost your temper before? I have. Holy Spirit can help you do that. He can help you with your thought life. He can help you kick drugs and alcohol and cigarettes. When I, when I was very, very young, a teenager, I used to smoke cigarettes. Got hooked on them. And Jesus set me free. I haven't smoked those since I was a long time ago. Amen. Come on, Brother C.E. Shout amen. All us ex-smokers. Come on. Amen. And... Uh, but Holy Spirit enables us to live a life controlled by the fruit of the Spirit of God. Freedom is not just throwing caution to the wind, but freedom is restraint, the ability to serve the will of God. Now, quickly, through just a few little thoughts. True freedom must be maintained in a continuing relationship. So in other words, here's what I mean. He said, if you abide in my word, you're my disciple indeed. So that means this. Freedom in Jesus is not a one and done thing. I'm going to come to the altar one time. I got my insurance. I'm not going to hell. Hallelujah. See you later, Jesus. No, that's, that's a fallacy. That it, Jesus said, they said, these are those that believed in him. And Jesus said, okay, you really think you believe in me? If you're really my disciples, you have to abide in my word. You have to continue to follow me. You have to continue to stay connected in a close relationship with me. Not one and done. It means it must be maintained. Now, not by works, but by abiding. The works come out of the abiding. It's the abiding. It's the faith. It's the trust. And out of that, the fruit comes. Jesus spoke of two kinds of branches. Almost done. Jesus spoke of two kinds of branches. He talked about branches that were connected to him, that were, that were severed for him and cut off. But at one time they were connected. And then he talks about the second kind of branches that remain attached to him and they bear fruit. I'll read that, John 15. I am the vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean, you disciples, you, my followers, you are already clean through the word which I've spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. A branch cannot bear fruit in itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless, unless you abide in me. It sounds like they have a choice. It sounds like they have to maintain this relationship. 
I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. Without me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide, there's a choice there. He is cast out as a branch and withered and they gather them and throw them in the fire and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this is my father glorified that you bear much fruit. So you shall be my disciples. Do you want to be my disciples? You have to abide in my word, he says. Abiding, continuing. What does it speak of? It speaks of a close relationship. Prayer. Worship quietness, meditating, reading his word, spending his time with him. Here today, we're abiding in him together. Speaks of a growing relationship. You shall know the truth. The disciple's a learner. A learner. We need to be learning more. Paul prayed, I want him to be filled with the knowledge of his will. This speaks, this abiding speaks of a deepening relationships. Jesus talked about how the man built the house and dug deep. Let's dig deep. It speaks of a persevering relationship. They remain. The words me know. And he said this in the revelation, behold, I come quickly. Hold fast to what you have. That no one take your crown. True freedom brings responsibility. Jesus said, if you abide in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. If freedom is to be maintained, then we have to embrace our responsibility as new Christians in Christ or people in Christ. This is what discipleship is about. I'll close with this. 1 Peter 2, 16. As free, Peter says, but not using your freedom, not using your liberty as a cover-up or a cloak for vice, but as bondservants of God. Now hear this. True freedom brings responsibility. We have responsibility in this nation. We are free, but we have responsibility to maintain the freedom with the laws, to obey law, to to be citizens, to pay our taxes, to obey stop signs and, and, and red lights. I don't want conviction to come over us, but you know, hey, thank God for grace, all right? But uh, to maintain order and our freedom. He says here, don't use your liberty. In other words, you have responsibility. You have liberty, but freedom is not the liberty to do everything I want to do. The freedom is the liberty to do what God wants me to do. In other words, I'm, I'm free not to live in unrestrained sin, but I'm free to do the will of God. You once were, we once were captives by the enemy, but now we're free. See, Romans 5, 6, 15 through 23 says, you were once enslaved but now you're enslaved to God. We're God's servants. I'll read that verse. Romans six seventeen says, but God be thanked, though you were slaves to sin, yet you obeyed from the heart the form of the doctrine. That's the gospel which was delivered to you. Verse 18, having been set free from sin, you became slaves to righteousness. We're God's, we're God's servants now. And lastly, and I've just touched on this briefly, True freedom involves rewards. He said, Jesus said this in verse 35 of the text, and the slave does not abide in the house forever, but the son abides forever. Notice that. Doesn't abide in the house forever. In other words, the religious leaders, we will lend this, the religious leaders were saying, you know, how could you say we're, we're, we're enslaved? We're not enslaved. We're Abraham's seed. Jesus said, but no, no, no. No, you're ethnically connected, but I'm talking about a transforming spiritual freedom 
that comes when you're in a saving relationship with me. The truth is eternity faces all of us, does it not? Yeah, every one of us are going to die one day. I hate to have to tell you that, but it's the truth. The question is, where will you spend eternity? Where will you spend eternity? And the answer to that question depends on what you do with Jesus and what you do with the saving message of the gospel. It's evident that the religious leaders Jesus was speaking to died in their sins. And they have been in eternity now for 2,000 years. Jesus said this in this chapter, John 8, 21. Jesus said to them again, I'm going away and you seek me and you will die in your sins. Where I go, you cannot come. Verse 24, therefore, he said to them, you will die in your sins. If you do not believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. And those who rejected Jesus were cast out of his house because in 70 AD, the Lord allowed the Romans to destroy the temple. Do you, do you and I have freedom in Christ? Are we saved? Are you saved? Are you saved? Are you ready to meet God? Are you ready for eternity? Or will you die in your sins? To die in sin is the most horrible thing that could happen to someone. Or I would say it this way. Is there bondage in your life that you need help with? Jesus can set you free. Amen. Whom the Son makes free is free indeed. True freedom. You can be in a prison and be free if you have Jesus. Paul was the Lord's freed man. Paul said, I'm, 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 uh, I'm in prison for Christ, but he was free. Because the freedom we have cannot be taken away by anything physical. The freedom we have is the freedom that we are set free to know God and to serve God. And one day we're going to be set free from this world. So I want to pray for you. I know that we've gone a little over time here, but let's pray. Our Father, I pray over your people today. I have given them what you gave me. Lord, I have, I have spoken what in a feeble way, but I've spoken what you have spoken to me about true freedom. And Jesus, you are our freedom. Freedom is knowing you. Freedom is being saved. Freedom is, is having our sin debt canceled because we trust in your righteousness. Our freedom is in a close, intimate relationship with you. It's not about church, not about some religious experience, but it is about meeting Jesus Christ as our Lord and our Savior. Now, as I close this time, two, two things I want to say as our heads are bowed. First of all, if you're not, if you don't know that, if you're not ready to meet Jesus in eternity, if you don't, are not saved or don't know that you're saved and you want me to pray for you, I want you to lift your hand and just let me, I'll, I'll pray for you. Anyone say, Pastor, I want you to pray for me today. I want you to pray for me today. God bless you here. Is there anyone else? Pray for me today. I want to be sure. I want to be sure. Here's the second call. Is there something, you're a child of God, you love the Lord, but there's something dominating your life that is hindering your relationship with Jesus, that's hindering abiding in him, that's hindering that close, intimate, deepening, persevering relationship. It's something that is a hindrance, and the enemy is using it, 
and you need Jesus to liberate you. I want you to, I'm going to see your hand. Hands are going up. Hands are going up. I need Jesus to set me free. God bless you. God bless you. Anyone else? Just raise a hand. Several hands have been raised. I need Jesus to help me. God bless you. Thank you, Lord. I just feel like this is a really a sacred moment right now. That the Lord is here. I want to tell you that he loves you. He doesn't condemn you. He is with you in your struggle. Hear me. He is with you in your struggle. I'm going to pray for those that raise their hand. I'm going to ask the Lord to help you. I don't want to embarrass you. That's not what this is about at all. I would never do that purposely. But I want to pray for you that raised your hand. The Lord cares about your need. He cares about your life. He doesn't want this bondage in your life. Jesus said you shall know the truth and the truth will make you free. I believe that if you will get in the word of God and you will get alone with God and you'll begin to meditate on the word of God, the word of God is going to free you. The word of God is going to free you. It's not some minister laying hands on you. That could happen if God, but I'm, I'm, I believe that the word of God in your heart will free you. You have to cut off some things. You have to shut down some things and you have to open yourself to the word of God. You must open yourself to the word of God. If you don't open yourself to the word of God and immerse your heart and your mind in the scripture, you're never gonna have the power to be free. I'm going to give you one verse that the Holy Spirit just put on my heart and I'm going to pray for you. Put put this verse up. 1 John 2, I think it's verse 12. Verse 14. 1 John 2, 14. I've written to you fathers because you've known him who is from the beginning. I've written to you young men because you are strong. Because you are strong and the word of God abides in you. And you have overcome the wicked one. But the word of God is in you. It abides in you. lives in you richly. And you've overcome the wicked one. I want you to stand. And I'm praying for those that raised their hands. The Lord knows your need. I want everyone to stand. If you could just play. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Now, please just be patient. I know we've gone over just one more moment. This is a sacred moment. These are things that take place in our hearts. I'm I'm trying to help you. The Lord is your help. The Lord is going to help you. First of all, I would say this. If, If you need to ask the Lord for forgiveness because you've opened yourself up to something, ask him right now. Say, Lord Jesus, forgive me for not walking in obedience to you. Forgive me for opening doors in my heart. And in my will that have allowed bondage to come in. Cleanse me, oh God. Apply your blood. And I thank you for hearing my prayer. And now, Lord, I bring my need to you. 
I bring my bondage to you. I bring whatever, if it's a habit or if it's a thought process or if it's fear, it could be a thousand different things that bind us up and keep us captive. But Jesus, we call upon your name right now. We call because you are the liberator. You are the liberator. I pray for liberation today. I pray the spirit of the Lord would set where the spirit of the Lord is. There is liberty. Saints of God, open your spirit to the Holy Spirit. He wants to fill you with freedom. Freedom to live for God. Freedom to obey the word of Jesus. I pray over every person that raised their hand in the name of Jesus. I pray, oh God, that the power of the Holy Spirit would move right now. Would move right now. Pray, saints. Right now, that the Spirit of the Lord would break every bondage in Jesus' name. You have to allow the Spirit to come into your heart because it's by the Holy Spirit that God works in this age. Everything He does in this dispensation, He does through His Holy Spirit. And so, Lord, we open ourselves to your Spirit and we pray for freedom from every habit, every lying spirit, every false lie the enemy has shot at our mind. Every, every trauma that our emotions have received, we, we declare we are free and we are not captive and we are not victims, but we are your children. And Lord, I pray over your saints, those especially that raised their hand, that as they abide in your word, they're going to find freedom. The word of God, they're going to cut off the internet, they're going to cut off the TV, They're going to slow down and they're going to begin to seriously get in the word of God. And Lord, as they do, bondages are going to be broken. Satan is going to flee. And you saints are going to find new freedom like you've never known before. Now, I want you to to raise your hands and just, just worship him for one more moment. Just thank you, Jesus. We worship you, Jesus. We bless your great and awesome name. We bless your name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now. As we conclude this 4th of July service, I just, I just press upon us one more time that this, this relationship that we have with Jesus is the most wonderful thing. He's wonderful. He's for us and not against us. He wants you to be free. I was almost tempted to, to make you come down to the front, but I almost felt a little checked. I don't want to embarrass anyone. That's not what we do here. That's why I just prayed. But I want you to know Jesus is with you. And you're going you're to get free. You're going to find freedom in Jesus. We're going to see miracles, aren't we? Amen. Amen. Whom the Son, say that with me. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. I'm free. Say it. I'm free. I'm free. I'm free from sin. 
I'm free. That doesn't mean we'll never sin again, but I, I'm free from the dominating power of sin. We're not enslaved to sin anymore. We don't, we don't, we don't, we're not under that dominating power. We're not under the penalty of sin anymore. The wrath of God's been lifted. We're under God's smile. Come on, church. Really? No, we're God, we cry, Abba, Father, we're his children. Now, this will blow your mind here. When I say this, check me on this. God loves you as much as he loves Jesus, his own son. Read in the prayer, he says that, that he loves us with the same kind of love. He loves us. We're his children. He's going to help you. Amen. Father, today, it's been a joy to be in this place. I pray, Father, this hasn't been too heavy. But Lord, I feel like we've obeyed you today. We've heard your voice today. Lord, I pray that you would build this church in the gates of hell. She'll never prevail against Trinity Life Church. That we in this church are not going to compartmentalize you to Sunday, but we're going to be committed to one another. We're going to be committed to you and your kingdom and your work in the world. And Lord, through your help, we're going to build this church. And Lord, we pray that as we enter that building on the first day, from the first day we enter that building, we enter in revival. We enter, we carry revival in that building. And we ask that many thousands of souls will be saved. And we give you all the praise. And now, church, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And all of us say, amen. I love you, church. Have a wonderful holiday Monday.